Two con artists prey on women for their money. One takes a high-class approach, while the other is more of a small-time scammer. Upon meeting, they clash in a Mediterranean hotspot. The common make a bet on who can swindle a young American heiress first. All this can only mean one thing. All bets are off, and we're comparing Bedtime Story and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of Retro vs. Remake. <laughs> this is the series where we compare movies and their remakes. Join us as we answer the question, should this remake exist? Today's films are Bedtime Stories and Dirty Rod Scoundrels. Absolutely. Now, Bedtime Story is a 1964 film starring David Niven. He's back. Hey! <laughs> uh, we'll see if it's a better movie. Um, Marlon Brando, Shirley Jones... Dodie Goodman, Aram Steven, Parley Bear, Mary Windsor, and Rebecca Sand. I don't know why I named those people, but most of them aren't. <laughs> <laughs> They're not really big time players in this. Um, this movie is directed by Ralph Levy, screenplay by Stanley Shapiro and Paul Hennig, music by Hans J. Salter. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, a 1988 film starring Steve Martin, Michael Caine, Glenn Headley, Anton Rogers, Barbara Harris, Ian McDermott, Dana Ivey, Megan Fay, and Francis Conroy. Again, I named too many people. Um, <laughs> uh, directed by Frank Oz. The screenplay is by Dale Launer, with, of course, the original writers Stanley Shapiro and Paul Hennig, uh, and music by Miles Goodman. So these are uh, two very similar films. Um, for backstory, both these films kind of went through recasts slightly. Uh, the original 64 film was course called a uh, bedtime story it was meant for doris day carrie grant and rock hudson and eventually it was charlie jones david niven and brando and uh in the remake there were a couple decisions at one point it was supposed to be like david bowie and like mick jagger interesting yeah and they were like <laughs> I mean, they were pretty popular in the 80s they were <laughs> they were uh that didn't happen for Reasons that probably make a lot of sense. I can see maybe Bowie doing it. I can see Bowie. Jagger? I don't know about that. That's a weird casting choice. Well, you know, you definitely have Bowie in like the Nivens kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Character. Definitely the more the higher class thief. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Eddie Murphy was considered for Freddie Benson, which I think... That could, I could see could, that working. Could have been interesting. I might actually have been... Well... <laughs> and uh, John Cleese was, was on that version, but we got what we got. Okay. Uh, so just some background that like... There are a lot of actors considered to play these roles, and um, it's a story that, in both films, I think is fairly straightforward to tell, so yeah. just interesting backstory. Um, what's your experience with uh, the films? I have, I did not know Dirty Ron Scoundrels was a remake until you brought it up, <laughs> so I was not familiar with Bedtime Stories at all, and I had not really even seen Dirty Ron Scoundrels, I just kind of occasionally ran into it when I'm flipping through channels, and I was like, oh, Steve Martin, Michael Caine. Interesting. Yeah. Next. <laughs> and uh, so I'd never seen them. But I did see the remake, uh, The Hustle, with uh, Anne Hathaway and Rumor Wilson. Uh, was, that, was that 2019 something like that? Yeah, it was very recent. And I've seen that. And, well, that's a film. So, <laughs> so um, I guess I am very familiar with the, the source material. Um, so I've seen this story told three different times. Yeah. Um, 
similar background, right? Like I have seen like the cover art for Dirty Rotten Scoundrels <laughs> as I browsed through. Um, never actually saw the film. I didn't really know bedtime story existed until I was doing research for remakes. Um, but I have seen parts of The Hustle <laughs> before, before this. Uh, I was like, Rebel Wilson, Anne Hathaway, this should be fun. Um, I got through about half of it the first time, and I actually revisited that film. So I have seen all three films now. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the cast of uh, Dirty Rod Scoundrels, so we got some Star Wars ties here. We got directed by Frank Oz, who, of course, Yoda, mm -hmm. but also Ian McDermott, you know who that is? Ian McDermott, no. That's Emperor Palpatine. Whoa. Yeah. So we got Yoda and the Emperor in this remake. That's Working together. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I didn't know Ian McDermott was in anything other than Star I know. Wars. I know. <laughs> so this is a rare sighting of him outside that universe. And Frank Oz. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, so. we've done Frank Oz before, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. And we probably will see him again. Uh, he's done a few remakes. Uh, Step for the Wives in particular pops out. Oh, cool. Life, so. so. Eventually, we will come back to the Frank Oz universe. Yeah, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, this synopsis was pretty easy. Yeah. Um, they didn't change anything. All the names are the same. Yep. Well, maybe the locations are slightly the, different. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I, mean, I mean, that comes from having, again, just looking at the cast, the screenwriters, the screenplay. You got yeah. two of the screenwriters from the original film in this remake. So. like... We're going to take this script and then change it just a little bit. <laughs> just a little, just a little bit. bit. Uh, both films, for background, um, there are the original film is shot like primarily in cons, cans, whatever you call it, a little French town. Um, in the remake, um, some of it is shot there, so there's not much <laughs> change in there. With that being said, um, uh, synopsis. Lawrence Jameson, the last name spelled slightly different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is a refined, elegant con artist living in the French Riviera town of Beaumont-sur-Mer, where he masquerades as a deposed prince of a small European country, seducing wealthy women into donating money and jewelry to his revolutionary cause. He gets help with this ruse from others, including an amoral police officer uh, named Andre. While on a train one day, Lawrence crosses paths with a small-time American hustler, Freddie Benson, who brags about his meager accomplishments. Worried that Freddy's inexperienced antics will scare away his prey, Lawrence attempts to trick Freddy into choosing a different destination, then has him arrested and put on a plane out of town. However, Freddy meets one of Lawrence's former marks. He blackmails Lawrence into taking him on as a student. You're not going to say Fanny of Omaha? Fanny of Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Great character. <laughs> uh, Freddy is taught to play Lawrence's mentally challenged brother, Ruprecht, a tactic to scare women away from trying to marry him. They're successful, but when Lawrence refuses to pay Freddie until he can acquire the culture, the refinement necessary for Lawrence's style of con, Freddie angrily quits, but refuses to leave town. Lawrence believes there's not enough room for both of them in Beaumont-sur-Mer. So the two make a bet. The first to con a selected mark wins, and the other must leave town. They choose Janet, a naive American heiress, as their target. Freddie poses as a soldier who is... <laughs> Freddie poses as a soldier who is suffering from psychosomatic paralysis. He wins Janet's affections with a sad story, convinces her that he needs money to pay for treatment by a famous psychiatrist, Dr. Schofhausen. <laughs> Lawrence then masquerades as Dr. Schofhausen, agreeing to treat Freddie's condition with the stipulation that Janet only pays Lawrence directly. The two battle for Janet's affections, ruthlessly sabotaging each other. 
with Lawrence mostly coming out on top. <laughs> Lawrence discovers that Jan is not wealthy, but merely a contest winner, and that she intends to sell off the remainder of her winnings to pay for Freddie's treatment. Since Lawrence only preys on wealthy women, he attempts to call off the bet. Freddie refuses, but suggests that they change the bet. The first to get her in bed will win. Lawrence refuses to try to seduce Janet, but bets that Freddie will fail to do so. Freddie schemes to get Lawrence kidnapped so he can win a new bet. However, Lawrence gets the upper hand and is there the entire time Freddie tries to seduce Janet. Lawrence's victory is only temporary as Janet eventually returns to her hotel room to find Freddie there. She declares her love for Freddie and they spend a the night together. Andre reports this to Lawrence who accepts his defeat with grace. However, not as all as it seems and each movie ends their respective way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I think um, because the movies are so similar, you're able to go into such detail yeah. with what happened. It's usually like we're dancing around it so much that uh -huh. like I don't get into too much detail. And I, upon reading this, I'm like, well, that's the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just read the book of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you don't want to watch it, that's what happens. There you go. Um, though these are very similar films. Very similar. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, like almost beat for beat in a lot of instances. Um, there are some some major changes, and a lot of that happens with the actual lead characters themselves. Um, but not really with the lead character I'm going to start with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the original film, Bedtime Story, David Niven plays Lawrence Jameson. All right, you're on. You seem very interested in that young lady who just checked in. Should we make her the test case? And in our 1988 Remake, Michael Caine, plays Lawrence James. No, I haven't. I'm afraid it's a little out of my class. So we've got two returning... Yeah. Uh, I mean, you keep picking these Michael Caine movies. I'm a Michael Caine <laughs> fan, apparently. And you're the one that picked the David Niven movie, too. So <laughs> I'm also a David Niven fan. And uh, now i got a Niven-Caine crossover. <laughs> um, Lawrence Jameson is seemingly a man who elegance, mm -hmm. face, culture. Uh, in both films, we kind of get the same opening of uh, Jameson basically taking jewelry from a, um, a widow, widower, yeah. widowee, <laughs> a widowed, uh, a, widow. Yeah, a, ri a rich widow. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's this fun backstory where he's like, I can't take your diamonds. And she's like, please take them for uh, your people. And he's like, well, you know, Maybe for the kids. <laughs> for the kids. But like, I mean, there's not really a lot in these early scenes that are very different in their portrayal. They're, you know, tall, mustached, well-dressed gentlemen that have this kind of dark edge where they have been in Beaumont-Somer, um, just basically targeting rich widows um, with this sort of Chateau Prince background. Mm -hmm. Um did you get any real read in any direction for these guys? I mean, they're very similar portrayals. <laughs> um, you know, we, we saw David Niven in Casino Royale, and uh, he was, I mean, he was okay in that movie. Yeah. You know, it was, it was one of the spots that wasn't terrible, but, um, you know, it was much better here. <laughs> much yeah. better in Bedtime Story. Um, you pretty much nailed the description, this kind of high-class sort of con artist. Mm -hmm. And their portrayals are... They're, they're just the same portrayal. It's the same character. I mean, it's the same mustache. Yeah. It's the same hair. Uh -huh. A slick back <laughs> with yeah. Michael Caine. Um, but, you know, it's it's a good portrayal for both yeah. films, but yeah. it, they're just 
so similar. I can't really I, figure anything. I think they're focus on. They're both so natural. I would say Niven has the advantage of being the first one to do it. So I felt right. he was very natural and believable in this role as like um, this, you know, classy Englishman sort of character. Um, Michael Caine, I thought because I'm not used to seeing him with that look, uh, that threw me off a little bit, but also very believable. Yeah, um, of course. Because he's a classy English guy. Michael Caine, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, ultimately, I think this character opens up as we talk about the interplay with our next character. Well, there's only one little, I'll say one little sure. difference, because um, they both uh, pretend to be this Schaffhausen. Schaffhausen? Schaff. Schaffhausen. Schaffhausen. Uh, so David Niven just, you know, stays the same the whole time. Mm -hmm. But Michael Caine actually, you know, takes on a German accent. Yeah. So I will say there's one that, difference there. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Like, um, Schaffhausen, which I believe, I want to say he's German in one of the films. He's Dutch in the other for some reason. Oh, okay. So maybe that's why. He, yeah. I mean, it's for... Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a bit, like, I mean, both of these characters are walking this line of of serious, regal, while also being a con man, um, but also slightly comedic in, in that take. Um, uh, like you mentioned with Schaffhausen, the Schaffhausen character, I think Michael Caine gets to play and explore more mm -hmm. in this role, like you mentioned with the, the voice and stuff like that. But I think that's because of the general tone shift in this remake the, the remake is uh we'll talk about it, is slightly more comedic and um i mean i think that comes right into play in our casting of right. the the other lead as it were when we talk about the counterpart um niven's approach to kind of talking about his sort of cultural philosophy and refinement um it's played out slightly different. It's more like amongst the townspeople mm -hmm. versus uh, Michael Caine is more like doing that like teacher right. type in-house right. training. So again, minor, minor difference. But if I had to... We're there. Uh... <laughs> when the French Riviera. <laughs> um, yeah, you're just not going to see a lot of changes here like they decided to kind of stick with the characters where we do see that tonal shift that uh that we're talking about is with our our second lead in the original film it's marlon brando who plays freddie benson remember this it takes six men to carry a guy that was raped it takes one woman to put him there and in the 1988 remake dirty rod scoundrel steve martin plays freddie benson if i lose i'll leave if i win Mm -hmm. um, one of the first things that is going to be apparent to anyone that watches these two films is Brando has much more of a backstory mm -hmm. and I guess in that sense an arc because of it. Um, Brando starts as a military man in Germany who um, he's got one scam. Yeah, <laughs> go, to, go to that grandma. Grandma's his go-to. <laughs> he gets a photo of the house you're currently living in. <laughs> Says that his grandma used to live there, and then he like basically works his way into these women's houses, and ultimately to their bedroom, and yeah, into well. their pocketbooks. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, 
one key difference there, besides just this military sort of background that we get to play in, and we get to see some of uh, Brando's exploits before he meets Lawrence, um, another key difference here is, like, Marlon Brando is clearly younger mm-hmm. than um, than David Niven. Like, he's younger, he plays, like, this more kind of attractive, in a conventional sense, version, um, which is, I think, he uses his looks more in this absurd backstory to uh to bed women and you know steal their money versus like when you're looking at steve martin um the difference between steve martin and michael kane in terms of like age and appearance is like just not apparent to me yeah at all it's funny because steve martin does have this one line he's like i'm younger i'm better looking than you it's like what (laughs) i know (laughs) (laughs) i'm so confused i was like i don't know if he is You should have had the the Steve Martin with the uh, the wig from Little Shop of Horrors. That would have been <laughs> that would be better. Oh man, he's so good in that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like um, that backstory is just kind of missing. You know, there's um, Michael Caine's character is concerned with like this jackal kind of con artist that exists in the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels universe, and like you know, you couldn't be led to believe that maybe that's Steve Martin to a certain extent, but. Uh, you really don't know anything about him until you right. first see him on the train. Whereas, like, Brando, though he's not, obviously, he's not as innately funny right. as Steve Martin. He does get some fun scenes that uh, are just completely not there for Steve Martin, like when he meets the uh, the Burgermeister's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, he starts taking his clothes off. Well, the Burgermeister's daughter is off limits to any... Uh, American soldier in uh, in town, and you know he's still working his game. So he's like, he takes his clothes off, and when the Burgermeister comes in, he's like, oh, I'm working on yeah. <laughs> calisthenics. You know, we got to get a, a exercise program. Uh, so like, you get to see him in action with women mm-hmm. before me and Lawrence. Uh, he gets that funny beat with the Burgermeister's daughter. Um, he gets another funny beat when he's caught dead to rice and he basically blackmails his superior officer. Yeah, that's a great scene. Fucking awesome scene. Yeah, that scene's so great because um, it, it kind of reminded me of uh, The Nutty Professor. Yeah. When he, he all of a sudden like had the professor just acting like an ass. Like, Brando, he's got Brando dead to rice. Yeah. He's like, you are you are in so much trouble. He's like, am I in trouble or are you in trouble? Right. He starts flipping the script on him. He's like, and then at the end of the scene, he's, he's sitting in the, his general's chair, pouring a drink, <laughs> got his feet up on the desk oh the turnaround of that yeah. scene is just i, I love and, scenes like that and they, he does it so well in um the reveal that he's run the same scam on that officer's daughter yeah oh, that was so man. funny <laughs> did you know that his grandma used to live in our house oh my <laughs> god that was so funny so good. like like i said brando's not inherently like as funny as steve martin right. but like he plays these scenes so well you know um when he makes that switch and he's sitting in the chair, pulls out, like, knows where the scotch is. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he's blackmailing the guy. And he's like, you know, you've got gambling in your divisions. You've got uh, people sneaking out, uh, women and stuff, uh, drinking. And he's like, he's like, wow, I got all this happening in my business. Yeah, it's me. Yeah, yeah, I'm the one who's doing it. <laughs> so, so you're going to give me a, a nice little discharge right now yeah. and, uh, you know, some money. Why yeah. am I going to send you money? Well... <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it, it's it's so good that scene, and I think that's the big difference between um, his portrayal and Steve Martin's because yeah. we get this backstory with him. Right. So I think that backstory is very important because it puts him on more equal footing I, with the uh, Lawrence character. Hundred percent agree. Because um, we see like he really is good at yeah. what he does. <laughs> Steve Martin, when you first see him, he's just kind of I guess kind of working some woman on a train, but like you never get to see him work the way that Brando gets right. to work in the beginning of this right. film. So when the two of them go head to head in that original film. It's more believable for yes. me, you know. In the remake, it feels like well, Michael Caine's up here, and Steve Martin's definitely down here. I don't right. know how this competition's going to work, but it just they feel a lot more like equals I, in that original film. I think that uh, I definitely get that, like because that general wants his star. Uh, the fact that he's able to switch it on, Brando shows a lot of cunning in that scene. Mm -hmm. He shows a lot of cunning with the women he interacts with yeah. before the men in the military respect him. Um, so when he finally does meet Lawrence and he underestimates Lawrence, he's like, oh, you must be some like family man kind of loser. Um, it's not that he's not capable, right? He's just, he's young and inexperienced. Right. So like, I feel like he's got the potential to be um, Lawrence Jameson in his own right. Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. There is equal footing there. Such a more believable rivalry. Right. Because we get to see him in action, we get to see as he's getting on the train, like, like all the women, <laughs> every woman in Germany. I think <laughs> I was running after his car and the train. Yeah, and then he's you're gonna marry me, right? Yeah, just write to my general, General Robert E. Lee. <laughs> it, it's just really good versus like um, Steve Martin. They just kind of like open a train door and he's just standing yeah. there. Yeah, and he's just you know he doesn't have the military background. Nope. and he's not you know you know handsome like Brando. No. so it's like. <laughs> what is his game? He really does come across as like this, like small time guy. His clothes aren't yeah, great. Yeah, like a schlub. He's not even put together like yeah. nicely or yeah. neat. You know, he's just like all disheveled and just like, I guess I'm gonna scam women. It's it's you know, it's it's a weird, it's a yeah. weird way to go with that character. Who you think like you know he's gonna you rely on his looks and everything. Sure. It's the way that Brando did. And, sure. You know, you definitely just don't do that with Steve Martin. You just get like. You just get so much more of that lead-in, right? So when Steve Martin just, like, gets a free meal, like, yeah, I guess that's impressive, like, a meal and 200 francs. But, like, you know, then he has his... It's, it's the same speech, basically, of, like, you know, we're the weaker sex, actually, than women. And um, it doesn't hit the same way because who's this guy? Like, all right. Right. You know, he scams, like, meals out of women. Like, although we still see the the meal scene right. like because we've seen this background with brando like he he really does think he's telling yeah. david niven something he doesn't know he's like hey this is how you do it man like yeah. a guy like you, you you know you're not too bad yourself you <laughs> probably get a couple hundred dollars and he, he just doesn't realize the scope and the the level that niven's in it just like i said it's just more believable yeah and going back to that meal scene like Brando, he's already talked to Niven. Mm -hmm. He's like, let me show you, let me show you how to get a free right. lunch, right? So he's like, he's talking up this game, and he's actually able to follow through with yeah. it. You know, Steve Martin, he didn't say like, oh, watch me do this scam. So yeah. he's not like that. He doesn't have that confidence or that cockiness that is just, you know, sort of endearing to the to the Benson character. Yeah, I think like having the intro being like Niven seeing all the women chasing him, mm -hmm. hearing the Robert E. Lee line. Having this like young kind of upstart kind of showing him the ropes as it were, right. like all that builds up so that when they do finally end up like in the same train car, mm -hmm. we've already had so much time with these two interacting and like Niven never giving up the game. 
Um, to have Michael Caine just kind of playing in the background, watching and observing him, and then they happen to be in the same train car, it just feels kind of random and, you know, I guess circumstantial. It doesn't really... I Again, the, the exact same scene, but with that little bit of background, mm-hmm. I just I felt more on board with Brando um, early in the film. Um, but again, I don't think Steve Martin's, because of, like we mentioned, his look and his... At least how he appears age-wise, right? Like, I don't see him as a younger man than Michael Caine, even if he is, right? Um, Steve Martin's just playing into the comedy. And that's that's okay, but, like, you're, you're losing some other elements. So it's like, okay, we've upped the comedy, but we've lost this background. I, I don't know if that's a good enough trade-off. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it really pays off because the humor is pretty much the same in both yeah. films. We didn't really write any new jokes. We, we got, like I said, we got the same screenwriters. Pretty much all the jokes are the same. Yeah. Um, the only new joke, I think, that I maybe laughed at was uh, when he's playing uh, Rupert and then he <laughs> brings out the, what are we doing when uncle's here? And he puts on like a latex yeah, glove and then loops it up. I was like, okay, <laughs> damn. <laughs> what do we do after that? <laughs> okay, so that was one joke yeah. <laughs> that they added in. But like, most of the jokes, beat for beat, are exactly the same. That's true. And, you know, the way Brando did it was pretty good. And, you know, Steve Martin, he didn't really get to add anything new. Um, so yeah. I just feel like they, you got Steve Martin. Let's use him. Yeah. And they really don't. They just, no, we got, we got this script. We're going to use what we did before, you know. Even, like, scenes that were done in the remake, they're almost to kind of lose something. Uh, because, like, the scene where um, he's pretends to be the doctor mm-hmm. uh, and then he like sees um you know freddie in the chair and then he's like starts hitting him in the legs right yeah. so in the original film Niven just starts out just like starts smacking him right away yeah. just hits him in the legs yeah. constantly he's, he's really beating the hell he, out of him really is. and then michael kane like it's like this slow build-up it's mm-hmm. like first he like tickles him then he like pushes him then he hits him lightly and then he gets like one or two good whacks in yeah but i just think it's so much funnier in the original film because niven just starts yeah. just hitting him beating him like, oh don't worry he's fine and then it, you ultimately get the same thing out of freddie where he's just crying tears of joy yeah. and yeah. It's, you know it, steve martin's got a little bit of a funnier face but I, the effect is you're still gonna be laughing no matter who does that scene yeah i mean pretty much it's the same joke i mean at one point i guess michael king gets like a running start but like even that felt weaker than actually Niven just kind of like yeah, just, laying just going, in. Oh, don't worry, he's probably fine. <laughs> it's so good. Brando's just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I do appreciate like that, like Benson's, because we spend more time with Brando's Benson, um, he's kind of a one-trick pony when it comes to his story. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, how many times are we going to hear about the grandma bit, sort of? But like, I think it ultimately for the the ride that this character goes on, I think it actually works. Um, sure, I like that the remake doesn't dwell on as many of his exploits, but then that trade off, like I say, you lose all of them though. So you know, um, you're basically when they start, he's basically Steve Martin is just Michael Caine's student, right. and that's yeah. You that's, even have a training montage. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's never a montage. Oh, the hustle had a training <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, yeah, like I said, it's just harder for me to see them as equals because we have things like we, we lose the backstory. Mm-hmm. We have this training montage. You, you 
teacher and student thing, this relationship, and it just feels like that yeah. for the whole film as opposed to the original where they really do feel like equals, you know? There's a reason that, um, you know, when Lawrence sees all the women chasing Freddy, he's like, oh, shit, I gotta get rid of this guy. Because yeah. this yeah. guy is a problem. But then, you know, Steve Martin getting 20 bucks from some woman in a shopping or dining cart, that doesn't seem like the same level of threat. And, you know, a scene that really works in the original that it's still in the remake, but it doesn't work as well. When um, Lawrence Jameson basically tricks him to chase the Italian woman into mm -hmm. another town, when Marlon Brando comes back, it's like, once again, reaffirming, holy shit, this guy's got moves, <laughs> right? Like, like, like the fact that he's, he's already on the mark that um, David Niven's after, and gets a ride all the way back from like Italy to France, you know, it's like, whoa, man, like that's such a much more powerful return back into the story than like, all right, sure, Steve Martin's back. Like, I don't know why, you know, like I there's no real sign that he's that talented. And you know, this the scene doesn't like I said, it doesn't hit the same way because it's like, all right, he's back, but it just feels more like a plot device in like furthering this character's mystique. Yeah. I just, you know, Steve Martin, you know, great comedic actor. Mm -hmm. I think there was a bit of a miscast yeah, just because so. you need that kind of young, good looking guy yeah. to play against that older guy. Like one scene I love in the original is uh, when they're chase or they're following Freddie just to kind of expose him to the woman that mm -hmm. he came into the country with. And then like, he's driving a car. He just sees a woman walking around the block. Mm -hmm. He's in his car and he turns to follow the woman. And then we're following them. And then as soon as, Oh, we get them into our point of view. Like the woman's already in his car. Yeah, it's such a it's yeah. it's a simple scene, and it's so it's such a great scene, and it is not in the remake. No, no. Instead, they choose, which you know, is actually when Steve's a little bit funnier in the film. Um, you know, he goes on this crazy shopping spree. He's wearing like the uh, the speedo, and he's like doing stuff. But again, he's he's a joke. Yeah, exactly. He's with. <laughs> The woman trying to like look all muscular, he's just skinny old guy. Yeah. He's it, not gonna be like, you know, Brando he, on the beach, you know? He's not formidable. He does feel really small time. Whereas like Brando feels like a guy who's capable of so much more than just mm -hmm. being like a bit player. And I think, like we mentioned, having that more equal footing between these two characters really makes this bet make sense. It's like, all right, is the young guys more kind of like uh, brash, forceful tactics. Or are they going to mm -hmm. work more than this more elegant, refined, thought-out mm -hmm. plan? And I've got I pay this part of the town, and I do take care of these people. Whereas the guy was kind of out for himself, you know. It it it, it truly does feel like um, a mentorship that could become a rivalry, and mm -hmm. it, it's uh, I don't know. It just works so much better when the guy's younger, to the point where we were talking about potential casting. I would love to see. Eddie Murphy playing. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Because like, <laughs> he got the younger, good-looking guy, right? Right. Like, Eddie Murphy has played characters like that before to a lot of success. And I mean, like, could you imagine, like, Michael Caine being like, and hey, we hold the glass like this, and Eddie Murphy's like, dang. Yeah, right, right, just being Eddie Murphy. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, ah, oh, man, that would have been cool. I just, like you mentioned, I think this is a miscast because there's not enough discernible difference between... Steve Martin, Michael Caine, age-wise, right? And the humor, because you mentioned, they don't really 
up the ante with the jokes. It's it could have been any one. Mm -hmm. So um, I would rather have a young person than a funny person. Yeah, in this. Cast. I mean, if you're going to cast someone like Steve Martin, give him something to do. Mm -hmm. Don't just stick to what we did in the original. Like, exactly the same thing. Like, all the lines right off the page. Like, exactly the same in the remake. Yeah. How they're saying it. So, it's like, give him something to do or just cast someone else. Yeah, totally, totally. And to kind of keep things moving along, I don't know if I necessarily want to introduce another character, but, like, kind of introduce another concept. Like, when... um. When Lawrence Jameson brings on Freddie Benson and they start doing their cons around when they do the Ruprecht thing. Right. I guess we could talk about the Ruprecht Yeah, we thing. can talk about Ruprecht. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, there's a joke that doesn't age well. No, 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 no. Very simple Jack. Uh, <laughs> you never go full retard. No, you do not. You do not. Um, simple <laughs> Um, That's a, I, I immediately thought of Tropic Thunder too when I was watching both films. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, th there's kind of two different approaches to how we get Ruprecht, but ultimately it's the same mm -hmm. beat. Um, uh, <laughs> Freddie Benson isn't ready for the big time yet. So instead of being, like, an equal in the scam, Lawrence has him play his uh, mentally challenged brother, he keeps in like a weird basement thing. Rupert. Yeah. Rupert. Now I keep I'm thinking like Rupert? No, it's Rupert. <laughs> um, so when there's like, you know, your fanny of Omaha type characters or other heiresses, when, once they've got the money that they needed from them, you scare them away with this, uh, this brother character. And Brando, I mean, like you said, he, I mean, it doesn't age well. Uh, <laughs> either film, really. <laughs> um, it doesn't age well. But like Brando's holding his weight with this character yeah. just as well. I mean, I think it's funny. He's got, like, the... Funny. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come at me. I didn't mean uh, <laughs> That he's got, like, the plane and the little... Yeah. Like, like, his mannerisms as Ruprecht are, um... are very... still humorous, um, to the extent that they right. can be. Uh, you know, and then David Niven the whole time is like, just smile, you know. Don't, yeah, yeah. You got to keep smiling. Mother. Mother. <laughs> Mother. Um, so, like, the Ruprecht silliness that happens, um, it it works, you know, they, they, they make money off these widows, they get them out of the scene faster because of Ruprecht, and, you know, they don't get their cut. But, like, Brando's take just as funny to me as Steve Martin's. Yeah. Like I said, we're doing the same jokes. Like, I was doing the mother thing, but yeah. Steve Martin does the mother thing, right. too. And the only joke <laughs> that was inserted was the uncle in the yeah, looped-up club. Which, actually, I, I was like, that's eh, a little much. Yeah. yeah. It kind of yeah. just comes out of nowhere, and it's, it's okay. Yeah. Take her to leave it. But, like, again, we're doing the same beats. Yeah. Right? So, in Steve Martin didn't really bring anything new to it i guess he brought a trident in that one scene a trident the eye patch so knocking like, over the the vase <laughs> that was kind of funny so um <laughs> it's just looking a little threatening and everything you know it's yeah i guess it has its funny moments but again it's we're doing the same thing it's the same so exact it, it could have been anybody it did not have to be steve martin doing that and i i think that because of the way the ruprecht sort of scam plays out, right? When when uh, in both films, the Jameson character starts paying off the people like uh, 
and Inspector Andre, who we're going to talk about, mm -hmm. uh, the, the servant, I think, Arthur. Um, um, everyone gets their cut except for Freddie Benson. And Freddie's like, what's that about? I really like the scene. It's not necessarily a remake, but I really did like the scene in the original where David Niven's like, let me show you what I do with the taxes. And he goes around and he's showing him, like, this guy makes a goblet. And it takes him three years, but mm. it's the best goblet. It's like, mm. what is that mug getting my money? <laughs> Culture. Uh, you see a guy who makes a violin. And, like, yeah, all these endeavors that don't make money but are of the arts. It actually gives David Niven a bit of a noble characteristic where um, should he have that? Like, he's he's a scammer. But, like, he has this this concept of giving back to the arts in the community in a way that is somewhat redeeming. And I, I of a Robin Hood almost kind of <laughs> really but like it's good background and backstory. And uh, instead of doing that in, in the remake, they do more of like this, like you mentioned, this kind of training montage. Well, yeah, well they do the training well, montage. It's kind of before we practice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the whole addition of the training montage is to sort of like mislead you. Like he's, teaching him how to be classy and refined mm -hmm. and then here's the joke you know he's gonna be this oh, right. mentally challenged brother so yeah. i think that's the whole purpose of the montage but they did kind of have a scene like that in the remake you know he took him around showed him like look at this landscape yeah. i'm taking care of and look at this museum and all this art here he's like well i like the naked lady uh, <laughs> yeah, i don't it's nothing i can really do with this so you know there's still kind of that um but he, he's not really i guess he is kind of giving because it was like a tax mm -hmm. in the original film and then the remake, he's like, I don't want to give you the money if you're going to spend it poorly. Right. If you don't spend it on this stuff, then I'm not going to give it to you. Right. So he's like, well, what the hell, man? So, you know, I guess he still it's, kind it's of has similar. it in the remake. Similar. I think, um, I, yeah, I guess maybe because it's laid out a little bit clearer in the original, I slightly preferred that. But ultimately, the entire point is that um, as a student or someone learning his ways, uh, you've got to be more refined and, um, and, you know, it leads to the movie kind of progressing to its next scenes where it's like, well, if you're not paying me right. and you got me doing all this stuff, then why do I need you? Which again, going back to what we were saying about the original, because they're kind of equals when Brando goes out on his own. Yeah. I could see him holding his own right. against, uh, David Niven versus Steve Martin. I don't know. Like, yeah, he's kind of good at bribing, or like blackmailing people slightly, but I don't know. Um, we're, we're still, I don't know. We're just so in that humor mode that as we progress throughout the film, I, you know, I've said it before, I don't want to be a, a broken record, but like, where are we going with this character? You know, like what what's his next move? So um, like we were saying before, having, having this youthful, different, philosophy just just adds so much more weight to these scenes so that you're you're 100 percent right there's like the same beat like they go to the museum but like i just felt it more yeah than original yeah. fair enough yeah <clears throat> there's a ton of characters that we could talk about yeah um i guess we should before we get into like the main actors maybe we should go back and kind of deal with some of these smaller sure because her portrayal i guess the ending with her is yeah. just so different that's kind it's of kind plays of into her character so it's really hard to talk about her yeah. without talking about the ending yeah yeah so you know those are our two main leads and like we mentioned there's so much similarity 
Uh, I actually want to kind of go back and fill in with some other characters that we meet along the way before the movie progresses past this kind of like uh, scene that we're talking about where they, they go their own way. One character that I really liked in both films, in the 1964 film, you've got Dodie Goodman who plays Fanny Eubank. And uh, in the remake, you've got Barbara Harris's Fanny Eubanks. Fanny of Omaha. <laughs> I think that this character, one, is a very funny character just because like she really plays into the, the Fanny, Lady Fanny of Omaha character. But like this is a great sort of real intro to the types of women that they're going after in the films. Just this this kind of like naive, like I'll you can feed me any line, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow it. I, I'm taking two princes with me back home, like type of character. I really did like um I really did like Dodie Goodman's Fanny. Uh of Eubanks, just she really, really just like leaned into just believing <laughs> this bullshit. Mm -hmm. I found it to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty similar mm -hmm. characters in both films. There's nothing really that the one in the remake does different. Um, you know, she's the she's the first mark, or I think she's kind of the second. Like second mark. Yeah, kind of the second mark. But we get to see like the whole process, I right. guess, of the right. uh, Jameson character and just how he works his marks. And so she goes through the whole ride and she almost spoils it. Yeah. Uh, or she does spoil it for her. It's ultimately because she's the reason that Benson goes back. Um, so, you know, it, like I said, it's the same portrayal pretty much in both movies. So mm -hmm. I'm going to lean towards the original just I, because I, it's been done. And I'm in the same camp and I felt like... Um, we spend a little bit more time, at least it felt like it in the original, with Fanny of Eubanks and uh, just getting those extra little comedic beats out of her was, uh, it, I don't know, I did prefer, prefer the original, but like, ultimately, like you said, very similar portrayals, um, but really important, like, for a minor character, pretty important minor character. Um, a lot of... The, the scamming is shown through Fanny of Eubanks, and like you mentioned, getting Freddie back off of that plane is Fanny of Eubanks' main job in the films. I will say, um, well, we need to talk about Andre, but like in the beginning when Fanny's like learning all this information about the prince and everything, mm -hmm. every time like Michael Caine would talk to her or Andre would talk to her, they would always put her in a plant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just thought that was a funny beat. That's I was like, oh, that's pretty good. So I just appreciated that. Like, again, not much different yeah. in two films. It's a very small difference, but I thought it was pretty funny. Like, <gasps> we gotta talk to her in the plant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is funny. But you're right. Like, even talking about Fanny, you really can't talk about her without talking about... Um, in the uh, original film, you've got Aram Steven, who plays uh, Andre, I guess Inspector Andre, we'll still call him. Mm -hmm. And um, in the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, it's Anton Rogers as Inspector Andre. Right. Now, you're going to hear us say this a lot. Very similar character. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, uh, so this is the right-hand man to, to Lawrence, or, yeah, Lawrence Jameson. And, uh, you know... He's he is a cop too, yeah. so that's that's an interesting little twist there. Like, I guess he's a corrupt cop. He's yeah, working with his right. con artist. 
Um, yeah, very similar portrayals. Uh, he kind of has this thing where he wants to murder <laughs> Freddy the yeah. whole time. He's like, don't worry, I, I know a guy, yeah. <laughs> or we can do it this way. Um, they play, I think they lean into that a little bit more in the original film because yeah. he's always just randomly right. bringing up a way to kill him. He's like, Jesus, we're not going to kill this yeah. guy. So I think he gets a little more play in the original film. Yeah. Yeah, you're 100% right. Like, uh, we, we do get a little bit more, I think you're right, from this original portrayal. Um, the scenes where he's talking about murdering him are very, very funny. Um, both of them share the same sort of, uh, role as to like they have a shared interest in Jameson's uh continuing his grip so they'll pull favors and stuff like that like um when one of the widowers gets robbed and like they you know same beat right like you drive her there see Freddie stealing from them like it's the same thing put him in jail that's the same thing right like, <laughs> instead of a hanging judge in the in the original, it's a judge that tends to castrate people in the remake, <laughs> you know, but ultimately the same bit, like something bad is going to happen to you. Um, but even though it's the same character, it's actually really fun, good character that helps, helps keep the movie going. Like having that right hand man character really, again, gives our friend um, Jameson an advantage when it comes to going head to head with, um, with Freddie Benson. So that, that little bit of an advantage um, plays well in, in both films, but I, I agree with you that I prefer the uh, the original. Just maybe because of the original, but it did feel like there was more that he was doing. Yeah, it, I don't know because maybe we don't have those other characters. I don't really remember like an Arthur character servant not too much in the original film. Not really. He's there, but like I didn't even mention him because he's not. Yeah consequence so you know just like i said he's got a few more of those let's kill him this way jokes <laughs> i think in the original film yeah. so i'll just give him the edge there mm -hmm. no totally totally so um now that we've kind of knocked out you know you got your two leads you've got your corrupt um inspector you've got your fanny of omaha <laughs> uh who's done her job we're now at the part of the film i would say like the midway mark where these two guys have gone their separate ways and now they've got their next goal, their next mark. And uh, in the 1964 film, that's Shirley Jones as Janet Walker. Now you must sit down and rest. In Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, the 1988 film, it's Glenn Headley as Janet Colgate. Freddie, are you okay? Oh God, they're dancing. Freddie, we are going up to my room right now, right to Dr. Schaffhausen. I wonder why the change of the last name. I'm not sure. And to Colgate, too. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, she's going to be toothpaste related? No, yeah. still soap. Still soap, right? <laughs> still soap. The soap queen. <laughs> Could have um, been like the toothpaste queen. I thought they were going to do something like that. <laughs> the Colgate, right? <laughs> and yeah, they didn't. Um, on the early side of things, like we're going to continue to mention, very similar characters. Um, they more or less this naive heiress who is, has some yeah. soap, yeah, uh, she, she, she's supposedly a soap heiress, yeah. but who ultimately isn't a soap heiress, right? Just a contest winner. Mm -hmm. Um, so when they find first, they're gonna get money from her, that's the competition for in the original is 25,000, the remake is 50. 
doesn't really make a difference. And then really ultimately, uh, Jameson discovers that she's not the heiress. She's just a contest winner, so he wants to call off the contest. Freddie's like, no way. Let's change the contest, like you said in your synopsis. And then it's who can bet her. But you know, Jameson doesn't want to do that. Just gonna, you're just not gonna right. bet her. That's that's the bet here, and the loser still has to get out of town. So yeah, it's very similar portrayals. Uh, the only thing I can really think of to compare is maybe just her chemistry with the Freddie Benson character. Yeah. And just how that's different because, you know, his, his whole thing is he wants to, he's going to sleep with her now. So I just find that a hell of a lot more believable with Brando's character. It, it's so much more believable. I mean, even the setup, it's the same setup, right? But like, I don't know. It just felt like they had real chemistry, you know, like I felt like there was more of a shift in like Michael Caine's direction with the relationship in uh in the remake. Right. Like um even like the turn, like I've I've felt like Freddie really felt like a an asshole <laughs> in this remake. Like yeah. um I don't know, Brando throughout the process is more or less kind of you know, they both are, but, like, more or less de dueling with Jameson. But he does seem to have, like, a genuine interest in um, in Janet. And, like you mentioned, super believable because Brando's maybe younger and, like, clearly we've established that he hooks up with women. Yeah, he, we've seen all the all the women chasing him on the train, so we know he that he can get women. Yeah. So he's very good at this. So, like, when the game becomes, like... I'm going to seduce her. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, it's very believable because we've known he's to sleep with all these women in the beginning of the movie. Right. You know, Steve Martin says he's going to do that. It's like, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, I know. It just felt like, um, like Niven really had to, really had to like up the ante. Right. To stop Marlon Brando from just achieving that. Because that's his bread and butter. This is, <laughs> this is what Brando does yep. or the Freddie Benson character does like before I decide to team up with you, this is what I was doing, man. So I got this in the bag. You right. are really going to have to pull out all your resources to it, stop me. And again, because we have this background, right. right. When he first meets Janet, it makes sense that he's playing a soldier. Cause he was a soldier. Right. Right. Um, he plays right back into the, the sick grandma mm -hmm. bit that he's been running the <laughs> whole movie. Uh, he's elevated it. Cause like now Brando's put himself in a wheelchair. And when Janet starts to hear this sob story, I really do feel like she would believe that this guy, this young man, bet his last dollar to try to help his sick grandma, um, the Detroit bookie. <laughs> that was a great, that's a great bit that we lose too, by the way. What was that? That Brando's grandmother is actually a bookie <laughs> in Detroit. Oh man, that, I missed that bit. Yeah. What's in the remake? I don't know. That might be in the remake. That might be in the remake. I think that might be in the remake. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. It's one of the films. It's the same movie. Um, but, uh, but, like, yeah, Janet believing him made a lot more sense to me. And I really did feel like, for whatever reason, they just had just better chemistry mm. throughout all these scenes. Um, you know, her genuine concern for Freddie did feel like from a person that was attracted to mm. him. Um, you know, the dancing backstory, like the reason he's in a wheelchair is he watches his ex or his, yeah, his fiance or something yeah. dance with some guy. And like, now he can't walk. Like, 
since it's the same joke, like I'm giving the nod to the first film because like they did it first and they made it pretty funny. I just never really felt that same connection with Steve Martin in this Janet character. And I think it goes back to this central premise that he's a comedic right. player rather than a romantic one. Mm -hmm. So why am I now believing he's like a lady slayer? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like even the backstory of the cheating fiance is played a little bit for more for laughs in mm -hmm. the remake because like <laughs> he's like it was on we were on this tv show dance usa yeah. and then she, she i saw her dancing naked and then have sex with the host i, I forget his name yeah uh, but i looked him up he was a host of a, some dance it wasn't dance usa it was another dance show okay. um that they had so that's, that that's pretty that's funny. funny that's, that's funny, funny but again we're He's leaning a little more into that kind of like ridiculous humor. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's her to feel pity for him. It's, it's weird because it's such a silly backstory yeah. of like what happened and why he's like this, why he can't walk. So it's, it's just, you know, it's so silly. So it's hard to really have her sympathy kind of turn into love because it's such a silly I, story. I just don't get, maybe I missed something. Or I just didn't get where that turn was going to happen for those characters. Yeah. You know, like I, I just didn't see that. And I really, like, maybe because of the way they did the scenery, and I, I do believe, like, um, you know, I think that Glenn Headley is giving us more than Shirley Jones in the film. They're, again, they're both doing the same thing, but, like, Glenn Headley gets a little bit more uh, play as a more modern character. Her interactions with Michael Caine feel like more of, like, the romantic scenes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you know, they look like they were getting along pretty well so that when Michael Caine was like, oh, I can't scam you because you're poor, it felt like he was coming from a genuine, like, right. good place. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess because we spent so much time with their interactions, that felt very natural. And, um, again, I feel like those two had something going on as opposed to Steve Martin. In the original film, I will say this is where the remake starts to kind of pull ahead in terms of the humor because the slapstick stuff that they're doing to Marlon Brando the whole time started to kind of get a little old for me. Like, you know, he's falling down, he's mm -hmm. getting stuck behind, like, it's it just like right. all this, uh, I forget what you call it, like that, uh, that almost green screeny like stuff where he's just yeah. getting kind of beat around. Like I didn't find it to be that funny after a while. Cause it was like, all right, we kind of keep hitting the same bit, but, um, the romance I did buy. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I will defend the humor in the original. There's, okay. there's a scene that is uh, not in the remake, and that's when um, Schaffhausen first uh, takes Janet and Freddie, I guess, to the villa. Yeah. And then like he's like, let, let me let me let me show you the history of it. And then he's telling the history of like pretty much insulting like Freddie right there. <laughs> yeah. There was there's one prince. There were two princes, and one was a moron. Yeah. He's, he's just like insulting Freddie. Like, Brando's just, like, kind of reacting to it. His, his reactions are pretty great yeah. there, and they don't have that scene in the uh, remake. Yeah, just, yeah, even that, like, that felt fun and kind of natural. Yeah. Like, I, I I, did like that Niven had, is playing the upper hand here because he had his plan, and, you know, Freddie broke out all the stakes, the wheelchair, the backstory, you know, the grandma. And like it put it put Niven on his back foot, and I love that he was relishing retaking control. So mm -hmm. like that scene, yeah. 
is where he starts to like take it back, you know? Um, I just, again, I know it's the same beat. I never felt like Steve had Michael Caine on the back foot when he did this reveal. Like, yeah, it was, it was a nuisance, but like, mm-hmm. I, I felt like Michael Caine was in the driver's seat the whole time, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> the For whole sure. time. And I, I could see in the original that Brando had his moments. Yeah. And it was like, again, that rivalry was more even. So it was like, okay, look at the push and pull here in the remake. Yeah. I mean, once this, once we get into this uh, wheelchair sort of backstory, I really think that Michael Caine just takes over from there mm-hmm. in a way that I was kind of shocked because I thought Steve Martin really could have shown with his comedy in, in a lot of these scenes. And it, it, it wasn't there. No. It just stuck to the original. And, you know, it makes a lot more sense for Brando <laughs> doing those sure. things. Like, even um, just going back to kind of Janet and Freddie, like, there's a scene where, like, Freddie's, like, upset and then he, like, goes to the beach or something and then mm-hmm. Janet joins him. And it's just, like, their back and forth and their chemistry just feels a lot yeah. more genuine than when, like, Steve Martin, like, kind of pretends to fall downstairs and is, like, on the beach yeah. with Janet. It's, I don't know. There's just... There's a chemistry between them. There's just more sexual chemistry between the actors in the original film. Yeah. So, yeah, Shirley Jones, um, her Janet, definitely has a good good chemistry with Brando. Um, you know, I felt like the Schroffhausen scenes with her um, feel more kind of like in that professional space. You know, I guess like perhaps they could have slept together, but like it felt like the whole time she was concerned about Freddie, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, whereas, like, Glenn, Glenn Headley, who, um, yeah, same thing. She's concerned about Freddie the whole time. But, like, I don't know. Like I said, it just felt like her and Michael Caine had the chemistry. And it was a bit of a flip, uh, in my opinion, there. Um, but I will say that Glenn Headley's um, turn after that, I feel like her turn was much more satisfying than Shirley Jones. Um, and it's because it, the movie did what you know you would kind of think would happen here, right? Like, you've got these two scammers. Mm. They have a Mark who's, like, super naive. Like, I, I was expecting the turn that you see in the remake mm. in the original mm. film. But like, the original film deals more in, like, this Brando arc. And, right. you know, it works, but, like... I, mean, I do appreciate that the remake finally at this point <laughs> take, does something different. Takes matters in his own hands. Yeah. So let's talk about the endings because sure. that'll help us also expand on the Janet character. Um, so in the original film, uh, I guess we'll start with what should we start from? Okay. So Freddie is trying to sleep with Janet, and then uh, he has these uh, other military guys mm-hmm. take. Um, Jameson away, so he thinks he's got Janet. It's a great scene too, because he starts, he's like, "I'm standing, I'm standing. Go, go over there. I want, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. Go, go to the bed. Go to the bed." And then he walks to her, and then they look like they're about to make love, and he's gonna win the bet right there. And then who's sitting right there? Good job, Freddie. Good job. <laughs> so it's <laughs> yeah. So Lawrence is right there, and Freddie's like, "Damn it, I can't do this." And he's like, "He's like, come, come walk with me, Freddie." Ultimately, those. Uh, paratroopers is what they were in the original mm-hmm. film, and then they were like, I guess guys in the like Navy. Navy guys, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the ultimately, because 
Lawrence was in the service in the exact same you know <laughs> yeah. unit as them. So they he he brought them to like another villa or the house or something, and then they're partying with all these women in the room. Yep. So they love Jameson now, and their job is to keep Freddie from leaving that room. So then, at that point, Lawrence is able to take Janet to the airport and or train or whatever, and mm. either found and just bye bye, you're gone now. So he goes to tell Freddie. The, the bet's off. Um, she's gone. But while she's on the train, she gets a telegram. Right. And the telegram is that because her letter, she she wrote the letter to Schaffhausen, and she actually mailed it. And she got it back that, oh, he's actually dead. He's yeah. been dead for a couple of years. So she learns that she's been scammed this entire time from at least one of the guys. Mm -hmm. She does not know that Freddie's been scamming her too. So she's like freaking out. She, she runs back to Freddie. Uh, the two of them are there. They 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 bang. Yep. They bang. They bang. This yeah, buddy. That's Marlon Brand. And then Andre reports the, bit, the sad news mm -hmm. to his boss. Uh, you lost the bet, sir. Yep. I don't know what to do. He's like, damn it, I lost. I can't believe it. And then Freddie, sure enough, shows up, and he's about to like eat it. And then Freddie's like, well, I I I messed up like more than I could even imagine. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, sure, we slept together, but I uh, ended up marrying her. So uh, now she's married to me. So. That's the thing that happened, and that's kind of how the movie ends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he becomes sort of that like doting husband. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, That he thought that David Niven was. I do like um, their interplay, uh, Niven and um, Brando at the end. Like uh, uh, he buys him a drink, and there's a peach in it. And uh, there, uh. there's this is back story of like um, there's this like picked peach, like. Uh, like a man that gives up his um I what I guess his woman chasing ways almost I guess like sort of yeah. I, I, I don't know but that was like the metaphor that they had the entire film so it was kind of you know cute for lack of a better word that like uh, Niven gave him a martini with a peach in it um you know a little background winking and nod between those two characters that Shirley um Shirley Jones character wasn't really aware of but like it's a nice little ending for these two rivals um you know you know i guess there's also this factor of marlon brando's character kind of growing up and yeah. becoming more of a man but uh it's an okay ending it's, yeah it's not it, the most satisfying it though. definitely felt hold on i'm gonna close that window yeah. that fucking thing is yeah <laughs> Yeah, that ending was, it was pretty weak, I thought. Yeah, it was, it was. <laughs> uh, now, now I married her, and then, so I'm out of the game, I guess, was ultimately what he was saying, and, you know, Niven can keep doing what he does, but it just, it felt weak, and then it's like, well, you married her, but this whole thing is based on a lie, right? <laughs> you lied to her, you were never... You're never mentally or physically disabled. Yep. You never had this fiance. You were yep. you only met her because of this bet. I mean, does that ever come into play during no. marriage? No, just, uh, He's just gonna keep lying to her the rest of his life. That's and she can never meet um, Jameson because she knows he's a con artist, so he mm -hmm. can never be around. Yeah. He says, "My best friend." Yeah. Well, you can't you can't see your best friend because <laughs> then your wife will know what's up. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's a weak ending in that respect. They're like, 
there's a ton of loose ends that just will not be addressed. Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, because, you know, I guess it's a 60s film, uh, boy meets girl, they get married. That's, <laughs> that's it, you know. Um, gotta, gotta make it, you know, Christian and legal and all that stuff. Like, it, it's just an ending for kind of ending sake. And you're right, there's all these open questions that we know as an audience will never be addressed and they just want you to be okay with that. Um, yeah, but like, you're right. Like you just get this last little send off from Jameson with the peach and that's supposed to be enough for us. Uh, I don't know. Not my, not my favorite ending, but, uh, it wasn't like so bad. that like, this movie's ruined now, but I was like, eh, it could have been, it could have been more here. Isn't there an extra scene too? Actually? I think yeah. there is. Actually. I'm going to miss. Hold on, I know it's in the synopsis. There's a, with Lawrence, I think. Okay, yeah, so Lawrence, I think he's talking to uh, Andre. He's like, is he happier than you? Uh, he's like, oh yeah, I think he's happier than me. And hold on, the reflection, and yeah, Fred is happier than he, but he sees the mark rummaging. Okay. Yes, because like, yeah, he thinks Freddie is happier ultimately sure. because he kind of settled down and you know just gonna man up and be the husband to this woman, and he's like in misery, uh, yes. Lawrence. But then he sees a beautiful woman, a new Mark walking by, and he's like, "Well, what is it? A man must learn to live with his misery." So he's he's not really miserable yeah. because he's gonna still be with beautiful women and get their money. Which, thankfully, that scene's there because like it it does kind of further this Jameson story. So like, look, uh, because we've given Freddie a background, we've given him an arc. And mm -hmm. his arc was from like pretty pretty rough scammer. Like uh his tactics to get with women are pretty pretty reprehensible. <laughs> um and then ultimately I guess he goes good, you know. Um I like that Jameson doesn't go good. You know, he's a he's an older guy, he's stuck in his ways. Maybe he'll settle down with that woman, maybe he'll just keep doing what he's been doing and uh yeah that that was good to have that sort of post credit scene but yeah. something like that yeah i i found that to be a, a good scene as well because uh at this point we've more or less taken brando out of the yeah the game so it's good to have niven give us a little bit more mm -hmm. before yeah. closing it out but ultimately like i said it does feel like a it's, like a forced ending for uh for freddie who all of a sudden, like, I just married her. Okay, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, they the, so the ending is one thing. I, I will say that I think the remake it does a little bit better here. So uh, again, you know, he's trying to sleep with her, and you know, like uh, Jameson sends her away on a plane. He thinks she's gonna go on it, and then um, okay, I got it here. Okay, so, yeah. So yeah, this this ending in the remake is uh. It's interesting, right? Because, like, like I said, the Michael Caine character, the way that they're playing this, feels really bad <laughs> for um, for this Janet um, because he realized that she's not actually rich; she's she's broke. Um, so, like, Steve Martin really does feel like he's just going full steam ahead. I don't give a shit about this person. Mm -hmm. So, um, after basically the same scene with like. In this case, the sailors instead of the paratroopers. Um, how does she find out? She doesn't find out. She, she just doesn't. comes back. We're not told why she comes back. And let's set this up too. Yeah. Um, in the beginning of the film, 
but uh, kind of around the time um, when Jameson uh, has met uh, Benson, mm-hmm. he sees a, like a newspaper article or something about uh, the, the jackal. The jackal. The jackal. This uh, Western thief uh, who's in Europe all of a sudden. So and it's like and they even make a good comment like we can't be that good of a thief if the papers are writing about yeah. them. So that's just a setup here. So Freddie is still trying to sleep with Janet, but he's been super glued to the to the room with all the sailors in it, mm-hmm. so he can't get out. And then like Jameson's like, it's done. I, I sent her away. She's yep. gone. So you can go check. So he goes to check. He sees that she's not there, but miraculously she does show up right. last second. And then they're like, oh my god, Freddie. Oh my god, Janet. And it looks like they are going to indeed seal the deal, and Freddie is going to win. And then sure enough, Andre calls up Jameson and lets mm-hmm. him know, yeah, they were in that room for a long time, long yeah. enough. So it looks like you lost the bet, sir. And then out of nowhere, yeah. Janet kind of comes up to Jameson and says, oh, my God, I can't believe what happened. What, what happened? What happened? He's like, Freddie, he like, we slept together, and then he, he stole from me. He's like, well, you did what? He, yeah, he stole he stole all that money. But I told you I didn't need the money anymore, and I still had the money on me. So he's like, oh, I can't believe what happened, that he stole the money. He's like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take care of this, and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to send you back. I'm going to send you back. You Take 50000 of my money. I'm going to take care of everything. Sends her on the plane with his money. Mm-hmm. She actually stops, turns around, and says, "I can't take this money." Gives him back the money, yes. and then goes on the plane. As she's in the plane, Steve Martin arrives. He's like, "What are you doing? Don't let her go! How he's, could you let her go?" He's, he's, he's in a robe and he's got like handcuffs on. <laughs> yeah, he's, and he's chasing the plane like an idiot. And then he's like, "Well, what'd you do? You didn't have to steal her money. Steal her money? What are you talking about?" You know, first thing I knew, like, looks like we're going to have sex. And then she tells me to take a shower. I come out of the shower. And then she's gone. She stole my money and my clothes. He's like, what are you talking about? She's not like that. She's yeah. so good. She, as a matter of fact, I was going to give her 50000 And she gave it back to me. And he's like, what? And then he opens it up. And nope, she took the 50000 All that was in there was Steve Martin's clothes. Yeah. So scammers got scammed. Which, to me, feels like kind of inappropriate yeah. Term, right? Mm-hmm. Like these guys have spent their lives uh, taking advantage of women and they've underestimated this woman completely, who turns out to be the biggest scammer in them all. Yeah. She is, she's the jackal. She's the jackal. She left a note in there, thanks for the fun boys, signed the jackal. So the whole time we think Steve Martin's the jackal, but she's actually the jackal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a great term. Really, really puts Glenn Headley's uh Janet over the top by having this mm-hmm. this great uh reveal. And beyond that, it allows us to have more fun in these scenes, right? Like uh, these two have got their comeuppance and, you know, they kind of continue to move forward, uh, you know, <laughs> lamenting the loss that, that they both had here. And uh, out of nowhere, here comes Janet. Yeah. With a group of like uh, investors, like a Greek millionaire and some other people. She's doing this uh, wild accent Reminds me of like Janine from Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, and she's got this elaborate backstory about, um, you know, like random property in Australia and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's so funny because like uh, she comes back and she's like, "Well, uh, pointing at Jameson, he's a, a famous Australian, um, whatever investor type character." And Michael Caine's just like. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, say something. He's like, good day. Ship on the bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he just he buys in to the to her scam, 
And then she's like, oh, yeah, I can't forget his partner over here. He's mute. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So that was a funny beat there. So now Steve Martin can't say shit. And then she's like, look, I got this scam going. Come on, boys. That yeah. was fun. Yeah. Let's make this money together. And you, you find out the scope and level two. She's like, I made whatever, like 20-something million last year. But the best uh, 50000 mm-hmm. or like the best money I got was your 50000 It was like, that's such a good line. Because it shows... She's way better at this than both of them. Uh, <laughs> she is now the master. They are now the students. And uh, Steve Martin gets that extra little uh, <laughs> poke where he can't talk. Yeah. And again, that, that goes back to what I was saying, that I felt like her chemistry with Michael Caine was better. And you see it at the end when she allows Michael Caine <laughs> to talk. And she's like, you know, kind of screw you, Steve Martin, <laughs> but you're still, you know. Yeah, you'll still get a cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll get a cut. Um, fun, fun. Uh, Fun ending, um, you know, maybe a little over the top with all the accents and stuff like that. But yeah. Like, eh, eh. yeah, I mean, it's a stronger yeah. ending for sure. I like because it gives Janet something. Yeah. you know, she doesn't just I'm just gonna marry this man and live in ignorant and blissful ignorance. Yeah, you know, at least she's like, like you said, she's she's the fucking she's the best one. Yeah, and then <laughs> they're the ones who got schooled. Yeah, so it's great for her. You know, I. I don't know if we needed her to come back and team up with them. Like no. personally, I felt like that was a little like, all right, now we're getting a little ridiculous here. I do, <laughs> I but I really do like that she outsmarted both of them. Yeah. And that was her whole art because like the whole time I'm watching her performance, I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> the whole time because because you're watching it, it's like it's, I don't know. She's giving as, as much energy as uh, yeah. Shirley Jones did, and you know that wasn't much then. You know, yeah. she was just like concerned the whole time, yeah. but like that turn, that turn. Great for her. Just makes her character so much better. Uh, so we followed the original movie like very close for like forever, and then all of a sudden, like the last ten minutes or yeah. so, just completely turn it and like make her character so much stronger. So yeah, so it's it only a very good change in the remake right there. Yeah, this is this is a bit odd. I don't think we normally do this, but uh, in the the twenty nineteen film, okay, <laughs> yeah, just because like I don't want to. Do another episode. We don't have to do a episode for this. No, nah, <laughs> no. Nah. But like the 2019 film with Anne Hathaway, who uh, let me see what their characters' names are. Just to throw this in, because I think uh, just to round this out, I guess, because um, they're effectively the same movie too. Yeah, in the 2019 film, like instead of this this uh, Lawrence Jameson character, you got Anne Hathaway who plays Josephine Chesterfield. And you've got Rebel Wilson instead of being Freddie Benson, who plays uh, Penny Russ. Um, again, this is strange, but uh, I wanted to bring it in because the movies are effectively still B for B, kind of the same thing. Rebel Wilson plays up more of like this um, slapstick energy. Yeah. Um, that movie has a very similar ending turn as well. Like they kind of flip it again where like, the Jameson type character played by Anne Hathaway is the jerk the whole time. And Rebel Wilson is like the nice one ultimately of the scammers. So like when their mark flips it on them, because in that film, the original film is 25,000, 1980 it's 50,000. That film is 500,000, right? So <laughs> okay. they just keep upping the price. But like going back to like the chemistry that you got with Brando and Janet in the original film, what they did with, this sort of uh, gender swap remake, um, 
brought the attention back on like the less refined character. And I think that what does slightly bother me about 88 is that like the less refined character is kind of the jerk mm-hmm. the whole time. And like these other two films that they're, they're all the same film. Um, <laughs> kept the focus on on that character. It's almost like a it's almost like a not quite rags and riches, but like, you know, you're building this character up and I I just thought that it was interesting that you have two separate films with the same plot that chose that route and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels went kind of the other route. Right. So, um, again, I don't want to talk too much about the the hustle. Hustle. Because <laughs> I think that's ultimately not a great film. Um, <laughs> but, like, I just, I just thought that they did some interesting things with the ending as well. So I wanted to at least point out that I, I thought they're, they have the exact same kind of jackal reveal. Right. Um, it worked well in that film because I think they kept the focus on the character you would expect to have the romantic relationship mm-hmm. the whole time. So just a throwaway aside, wanted to bring it up. All right. Um, where do we go from here? Are there any other topics to talk about or any other characters, any other mm-hmm. moments in either film that right, you just thought was interesting you want to discuss? I'm trying to think. I mean, mm-hmm. we've talked about everything. I just What I find ultimately interesting about this film or this series of films is that how easily you can swap this story into a film kind of like when we did um the magnificent seven right like that storyline just works in a film uh i feel like this story also just works right like it's proven like they've done it multiple times to pretty decent success um I don't know what that says about <laughs> the story overall, but like I, I just felt that like I got nothing actually. <laughs> Never mind. I got nothing. All right, we can go to the verdicts then. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Like, is there anything like because the action's the same? You can, Everything's the same. Like, There's just a lot of similarities, so it's really tough to compare anything because it's, it's like, wow, well, I just, just saw that again. Yeah, because the only main difference is just that ending. There is one scene, I guess, um, when Schaffhausen is putting Freddie into the car for the first time mm-hmm. where one of uh, the women that he scammed comes out like you're high oh, yeah. like almost like ends it for him right there and then he's ultimately able to just play it off as oh it's one of my former patients so, incurable I'm afraid so yeah. like I thought they were gonna you know have do to something with that do something with that yeah and they really really don't <laughs> yeah I just kind of papered over that scene because like it's almost like fluff right because you know okay we might be giving up the game right here and he's just able to build it into the Schaffhausen? Yeah, yeah. Schaffhausen character more. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, all right, well, there's just more of him pretending to be Schaffhausen to just a different person mm-hmm. who doesn't matter because there will not be any no. <laughs> following scenes. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, um, there is some fun to be had with accents. <laughs> so we get to play with that in, um, in the film, but yeah, not much. Not much else. So, ultimately, with these films being what they are, um, Dan, what's, what's your verdict? Should this remake exist? So, like I said, I'd never heard of Bentime Stories, and I thought it was a really solid film. 
sins the ending because it, it definitely could have been stronger. And I was looking forward to the remake. I mean, not only like do I like the cast, I'm like, all right, Michael Caine, Steve Martin's really funny. So yeah. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And then we're changing the name to Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Holy shit. Right. I can't wait to see what we do with these two because yeah. we can get really messy here, have a lot of fun. And I was so disappointed that we just did everything the same beat for beat except for the last 10 minutes. Yeah. So while I like the ending in the remake, I mean, it's much stronger and it's just obviously much better for the Janet character. Overall, it's it's the same fucking movie. Yeah. Um, it, the performances are fine. I just say fine because I really feel like Steve Martin's completely underutilized here because we're just giving him exactly what Brando did. And, you know, Brando did it better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, giving him that backstory really helps to make his character more on even footing with the Jameson character. So um, you did pretty much the same thing. You had a nice ending, but I really don't think that it should exist because you just didn't really bring anything new to the table. And my whole thing is if you're going to do it, you got to do something new and just changing the ending a little bit is not enough. And you know, dirty Ron scoundrels. I'm like, like, Go go there with that name, right. you know. Let's see how, how these guys are really pieces of shit, and yeah. you can, like really, you, know, you can really have fun with that, especially with like Steve Martin. But you know, they just played it safe, stuck with the original script. So if you're gonna do that, I'll just watch the original movie. Yeah, yeah. All right. I um yeah, I come into this with similar thoughts, right? Like I was pleasantly surprised by bedtime story. I was like, wow, this is actually a solid film. I found. A lot of what I liked about it was those opening sequences. Yeah. It wasn't some of the military stuff, like the the Burgermeister's daughter, um, <laughs> the the scene like you mentioned, great scene with the colonel before. Yeah, it's such a great scene. It's so good. And like you mentioned, it does remind me a lot of um, the Nutty Professor scene. So you're utilizing Brando in a way that like you really get to see his acting ability with this character. You're utilizing Nivens, who I think is like perfectly cast as this uh, yeah. Jameson character. So much better than he was in Casino Royale. <laughs> so much, so better. much better. Good actor. Hey, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guy can act, and um, you know that's sort of my takeaway from the original film is that like the casting makes sense, mm -hmm. right? As I'm watching the remake, like I like Michael Caine, but even he's not really giving us much here. You know, he's doing a Nivens impression. Yeah, you know. Um, Steve Martin, who is doing his own thing, but like, it, like you mentioned, they don't lean into this dirty scoundrelry yeah. as as much as you would think they would. Like, I was expecting, just like you, to like up the ante, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I'm just watching the same movie again. I'm literally just watching the same movie again. Uh, the the twist ending, which I think, if you had that type of ending in the first film, I'm like, oh. Fuck. Yeah, one of the best movies uh, <laughs> I've seen because like I think I think that's what was missing, right? Like it felt like that was the turn where these two were going to learn a lesson. And instead of learning a lesson, they you know one got married and the other one was like, "I'm gonna keep doing this." Um, it was cool seeing uh, the Janet turn in the remake, but it certainly I agree it was not enough to say that like this should exist because like what what's different about it yeah. other than that like. You know, okay, like they got like a somewhat twist ending. Like mm -hmm. she was the jackal. I mean, that 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 to me is not enough to make an entirely different film. Um, and I'll make it a three for 
watching like the hustle because I finished that this morning as well. Like, there's elements of the hustle that I like more than Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I think that at least they did something different. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not a good movie either. <laughs> um, the hustle is not a good movie. Um, because, like, where the hustle really flubs is the ending. They really, like, just fail there. Um, but, like, I don't know. I, I actually found that to be more compelling overall than Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Which should be blasphemy because you've got these two great actors right. and they're not using them. They're not using them. It's like, I, I'm i just imagining the world where it's John Cleese and Eddie Murphy. Like, I think I'd love that movie. Because they're different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You so. old and you can see kind of regal and then Eddie Murphy, young and just... Eddie Murphy would crush yeah. this movie, man. And, you know, you would say the same thing about Steve Martin. Steve Martin should be crushing this movie. Right. And, yeah. Bad. It's hard to say bad casting, but yes, bad casting yeah. uh, ultimately sinks Dirty Rotten Scoundrels um, because they they're using the star power, but they're not using the stars. So yeah. that's this movie should not exist. Yeah, and uh, fuck, I was gonna say something. I forgot that. Oh yeah, when you stick so close to the original, you know, like like I said, lines were the same. You have the same named characters everything's right. the same so yeah we're just gonna go in favor of the original because i feel like it was done pretty well by those actors at yeah. the time and you didn't really do anything new so sorry and i looked it up too and this remake uh 88 on rotten tomatoes so yeah. it's pretty fresh uh people critics really loved the dirty ron scoundrels I, I i don't get it and i i think it's because people have never seen that time probably and like one review I read, it was like, this is a great modern adaptation of this. I was like, what What did they yeah. modernize other than the last 10 minutes? Yeah. We're just following everything else beat for beat. I know. I mean, even like the Brew Preck thing. I mean, because like we're getting, right. we're getting into like the 80s. We're starting to shy away from that type of humor. They ran it in with the, uh, the mentally challenged brother angle. Like, I don't know. It just, it didn't feel that modern to me. No. Yeah. Um, I'll say the best thing that happened was I got to watch Bedtime Story. I was like, wow, this yeah. did not know how good of a movie this was. Yeah, I didn't expect Brando to really pull off comedy. I thought but... he was going to... I thought it was going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, Brando, I don't know. Yeah. The setup is weird, too, in Bedtime Stories. Because it it's it's uh, it's told... You start with a voiceover, <laughs> right? It is kind of like a bedtime story. Right. We're learning about the prince. And he's not really a prince. He's right. He lives in a castle. But not really a castle... It's yeah. more of a chateau, and then it's like, well, and then we have the other wolf here, right, right here in this forest, and then it's our introduction to Brando. So it, it is weird. It's a, <laughs> so I, that does like feel like I'm glad they got rid of that. In the yeah, movie. yeah, yeah, because that that part I just like forgot. That. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's a weird way to do it because the narration's gone after that. Right. Too. So it's like, why did we have it at all? It makes it feel dated, um, uh-huh. which is interesting because like after that, it doesn't in a lot no. of ways. It works yeah. really well. I mean, I mean, the jokes held up through the eighties. So, yeah. you know, wow. Yeah. Um, it held up through twenty nineteen. They did it again. You know? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just um, this is one of those those moments where like the script is really good. Yeah, the script is really good. You can kind of plug in whoever you want, but um, I think it's super important to have that 
young old dynamic Mm -hmm. and when they didn't really have that it made it stop working because you need to be like a true mentee right you a real student and i think having an age gap makes that just easier for the audience to digest and people want to bang young people you know what i mean (laughs) i i could imagine brando probably had a lot of interesting encounters on that that's it. Uh, <laughs> guy was an animal. All right, so that's what we thought of the film. What did you guys think? Agree, disagree? I know that's yeah. two people of us. Might, people might hate us after this. Yeah, I mean, because I'm sure a lot of people have seen this people film and probably never watched uh, the original. Like, yeah. I mean, we never watched yeah. the original, so that's fair enough. But when you see the original and just see how close the remake sticks to that, and it's just like it makes it pointless. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, like. This foray into doing the movie again makes no sense um, other than the ending. And I think that just doesn't justify no. this at all. And it's a longer movie, too. Yeah. And that ending is not going to justify that long runtime because we also got rid of the backstory for the Freddy character. So how is it so much longer? It's those montages. It's so many montages. In this montage. You just wish that they gave you a background for Steve Martin. It doesn't have to be the military. But let's see him doing yeah. some grifting. Let me believe that he's a competent con artist before right. I just have him already interacting with the king. Yeah. Supposed king. Prince. I guess you could say. Because when you first introduce him, like, when the camera just holds on his face, like, I'm like, what are they trying to tell me? Like, I, <laughs> it's like, I get it. It's Steve Martin. I guess that's cool. But, like, why, why am I drawn to this character as opposed to anyone else in this room? You know? It's really strange. But, you know, whatever. Um, everyone has their own opinions about these films it just happened to be ours so if you disagree definitely let us know let us have it (laughs) all right so uh the next episode uh we were talking earlier so Mm -hmm. i think we're gonna do one of those disney live action remakes and we're gonna go dumbo nice dumbo 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 so watch it some dumbo for our next episode awesome man all right well um thanks for listening thanks for watching if you're on YouTube, like I said, let us let know how you feel. If you really disagree with us, let us know why we're wrong. Um, you know, if you like, comment, subscribe, give us five stars if you're on iTunes, and help us grow this channel. And definitely check us out on uh, Instagram, Facebook, let's see, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, at Retro versus Remake on the social medias, and yeah, man, another fun episode. Surprised by surprised by the ending, yeah, yeah. like our verdicts. Like I thought, like I was gonna be 100 on board with this remake. Me too. But then the longer the movie got, and the more I kept writing in my notes, just like the original, yeah. just like the original. Though I knew I was not gonna greenlight this one. Yeah. As soon as we started talking, I was like, it, no, it's kind of like the same thing. But the, hey. you know, I guess it's the same thing. So yeah, can't it doesn't work for us. <laughs> All right. As always, I'm Reggie Parker. And I'm Dan Bueller. Thanks for watching another episode of Retro vs. Remake. Remake.